You have to have the down payment like any purchase typically. We have partnered with people before as well. So typically we use a B lender because of... You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hello, Right Club Nation, and welcome back to another episode of The Right Club Podcast. And hi, Alfonso. How's it going? I'm doing good, Sarah. How are you? Good, good. I'm actually really excited. So, you know, we record these a little while in advance sometimes, but this is like probably one of the most beautiful days we've had so far this spring and looking forward to going out there and uh, enjoying some of the weather. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I-, I know I gave you a hard time that we had to take summer off, but I really enjoy doing these podcasts. And today is a perfect example why is Karen has been to the Right Club quite a bit. I've met her countless times, had a few short conversations just in passing in the rooms but today we really uncover what she does i didn't really know i knew she was an agent i knew she still worked kind of part-time but it was awesome finding out what she does and, and her explaining the whole process and selling that type of property and doing all that construction really really cool process and strategy absolutely you know when she was talking to me maybe months ago about her strategy i don't think i really understood it until today Because when I think of new builds, new construction, I think of going to the builder, buying a unit in the condo, buying a townhouse or whatnot, but it's actually her doing it really all herself. And it's a really awesome idea, really awesome concept. And I don't think we've had, or I don't think we even have many others doing something like this, even at our club, like we might have a handful, but Karen's doing it and she's playing in the, in the. I would say the bigger leagues where her properties, she's looking at 2.5 million as an ARV. So she's not doing the small ones. She's going into Oakville, GTA, where you could really raise the value by doing some uh, new construction on uh, some, some houses that need some, I should say, a lot of work. So really cool concept. And uh, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview and let us know what you think. And uh, Alfonso, you know, where can people find us if they wanted to uh, reach out at this point and know more about us? Absolutely. First and foremost, get on to the website, therightclub.com. You can find all the information about our upcoming events. We have an events calendar on there that's got everything listed up until the end of our 2020 season. And uh, there's some news that's going to be coming out as well, too. But what we got planned for the fall of 2020 as well. But uh, definitely get on the rightclub.com. Reach out to either Sarah at the rightclub.com, Alfonso at the rightclub.com. And uh, yeah, let us know what you need, what you want to hear more of, what you think we should be, you know, having our events focused around. Not too long ago, we had a tiny home at our events, right? And nobody knew what tiny home was. And it was a great event. A lot of people in there. We want to find more people like Karen that are doing these things that we have no idea about. And we take those blinders off or where, you know, the conventional person thinks, oh, buy a house and rent it out. And that's what real estate investing is. Be a landlord. But there's so many different ways. There's so many different people doing so many different amazing things. And uh, we're just happy to spotlight all the amazing people that are within our community that are part of the right club. And you know what? And more and more, every time that we're interviewing people or talking to people, they're like, the Right Club, it's like a family. And I love that. You know, being Italian, family is the most important thing in the world. And I love that we have like a real estate investing family where 
We're all looking out for each other. We're all giving each other the best advice and yeah, and really doing amazing things and pushing each other and inspiring each other to do much more amazing things. Absolutely. That's really well said. And guys, if you haven't been to an event yet, reach out to us and we will get you in your first evening events at no charge on us. So for me, it's one of the best things that I've ever done in my life was to get in and do the right club with you and Daniel and Laurel. And it's just like been an amazing process. And even though sometimes we meet for like six hours nonstop, it's all worth it. (laughs) It's all worth it because we can help others and we can create this amazing community that didn't exist. That's right. That's right. Well, with all that being said, I think it's time we get to the interview. What do you think, Sarah? I agree. Let's do it. All right. And welcome to the podcast, Karen McAdam. How are you doing today? Wonderful. How are you guys? Very good. Very good. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and joining Sarah and I on the Right Club podcast. I know you are a regular at the Right Club. You're often there networking, meeting in new people. For those that haven't had the pleasure of meeting you at the Right Club, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I was introduced to real estate investing actually as a teenager. My family is from London, Ontario, which is where I grew up. And my stepfather was investing in a number of properties in the downtown core area, of student rentals at the time, taking the old buildings and converting them. So that was my first intro to real estate investing. It was in the 80s. And when interest rates got high, he decided to sell off a number of properties. So to be honest, I kind of got away from real estate, didn't think about it. And I decided to choose a career and go to school and find something what I thought was going to be more secure at the time. Okay. And so you started your career. What was it that you were doing at the time? So then it was just finishing up high school, actually. And so then I decided to go into dental. I was a dental assistant. And then you go back to school to become a dental hygienist. So I practiced dental hygiene for about 15 years. I eventually ended up giving up my license as uh, I wasn't practicing on patients any longer. And I was working in a dental office for a dentist entrepreneur, and he owns and was buying and selling dental offices, so an investor dentist. So I've been working with him since 2008, doing the buying and selling general manager of all these offices across southwestern Ontario. Very cool. Very cool. So, so how did you start? What was your first property that you ever purchased and what kind of investment was it? Oh, first one was my own personal residence. It was a single family. It was just typical first buy in London, Ontario. I wasn't thinking about real estate investing at the time then at all. I would say I got more into real estate investing. I'm not thinking about real estate investing, but more out of need. I bought a house in Brampton. I was working in the Brampton area and uh, just wanted more income. So I was single at the time and I decided to finish the basement and rent out some rooms. And we had like a friends group. I had a bunch of professionals living with me and uh, they were essentially paying my mortgage. And I was loving that. That gave me extra income to enjoy life and travel and So that was kind of my first thing accidentally, but said, this is all right. Passive income, gotta love it. Very cool. Now, what does your portfolio, let's fast forward to today. What does your portfolio look like today and what does it consist of? So I've been with my husband now for about 13 years and he works, was working in the construction industry doing uh, 
framing. So I guess the natural progression from him working in subdivisions, working for builders, he started taking on private clients and builders and doing custom framing. So then the custom framing led to, oh, let's do a second floor addition. Oh, let's do a renovation, repeat clients. And then we got into new builds. So today we mainly focus on the new build strategy. However, I do have some units where they're passive income, uh, where commercial warehouse and converted that into rental units. And I use the one office for our professional office building space. And I've had a number of properties in Florida uh, where I was buying them bought back in 2008 when the uh, market was cheap, dollar was almost par, and had a bunch of passive income there. Today, I sold off most of those properties, and I have a condo on the beach in Hollywood, Florida, which we try to escape to monthly for a few days just to re-energize, and it's a pleasure to go there. That's awesome. So you have, so it's kind of like a, a vacation property that you use for yourself. And now are you renting it when you're not there? Uh, we can, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's a nice getaway. And, and only because of our busy schedules, you know, if you start renting it out and then I wanted to go, but I have let some rent it out before. Nice, nice. No, the reason I ask is the same way in, in Port Stanley. That's how we started with the cottage and then we started renting it out. And then it's tough to get some weeks for yourself to get out there and go, exactly, right? So exactly. I don't want to go get all committed and then there's nothing left for us to enjoy. Yeah. It really is our uh, getaway. And you just, when you can take the time to get out of your immediate environment and it, it's so refreshing, you just come home with a new perspective and, and you're ready to go again. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So let's, let's rewind a little bit back. So the first, uh, well, I guess not your, not your own property that you ended up renting out, but that, uh, the new builds that yeah. you started buying and that was kind of more or less your, your start into investment properties that they were strictly for investing. You weren't living in them. You were buying them to either rent or, or sell. So walk us through that process, how you decided and landed on, on the new builds and, and what that process looked like. Okay, well, I guess, you know, there's mixed there. We've done new builds for clients. We've done new builds for ourselves. And sometimes they are the properties that we live in. So, of course, when you do a new build and it's your primary residence, there's a lot of benefits from that. One is the tax planning where it's your principal residence if you do it for yourself. I find that there's less surprises with the new build construction because you're just starting fresh. So, we typically, you know, buy that land and property and tear it down completely and start brand new. Now, having said that, we've also done some where you actually leave one wall. So you leave one wall of the former house, that foundation wall, and build off of that. There's some reasons for doing that. Sometimes it's set back because if you don't want to move the new property back on the property, by keeping that wall, you can stay closer. The permit costs are different, so you're doing technically an addition or renovation versus brand new permit. So different reasons, it depends on the property, depends on the location, why you might choose one strategy over the other, but essentially they're both new builds. Okay, so it sounds like there's a lot of benefits. It sounds like there's potentially some cons or disadvantages as well. Can you walk us through your top advantages that really guided you to new builds? And what are some of the disadvantages that 
our Right Club Nation or listeners should be aware of before they take a, a leap into this type of investing? Right. So the disadvantages, I would say, is you need a lot of money to work with with a new build. So we're typically looking at about a $250,000 down payment to buy that existing property. And then, of course, you need another approximate $250,000 to start your construction. You need to get the demolition, foundation, excavation, framing, windows, roof done. All those steps is somewhere around that 250 mark before you're going to get your first draw from your construction lender. So you've got about 500000 on the table before you're getting more money to work with to get that project continued and finished. So that's one of the disadvantages, you know, the amount of money required to work with. It's a lot of money tied up. Looking at the numbers, it's important that you plan this out well. You need to do a lot of homework before you buy. So I, some of the people that I've met from wholesalers from the Right Club group, they'll introduce me to some projects knowing that I do new builds. And I've had to explain to them, you know, it's not just every property that looks like a demolition property that's going to be good for a new build. So we, if we walk through one of the ideal deals, I guess, so we want to be at an end value of around 2.5 and higher. So if that area is not going to justify a $2.5 million home, there's no point looking at it. I took in my, it might work for someone else. So we are typically looking at that area, the lot size, of course, is essential and the street. So, that end value, if you're going to have a $2.5 million home, you need to be close to 5,000 square feet. If it's a small lot, you're not going to be able to build that size of a home. So then if we look at construction costs, you're probably around $200 per square foot. And one of the tips that we've learned along the way is, again, when you're dealing with a high-end market of 2.5, the end user, the buyer, wants these details, they want a lot of upgrades, brand names that, you know, you cannot put KitchenAid appliances in a $2.5 million home. You need to be buying the Sub-Zeros and the Wolf and all these names. You need to make sure you have all the cameras and alarm systems there, technology galore, automated window coverings, these kind of things. This is what they're going to be looking for to sell that property. I guess another disadvantage is, is when you're selling a $2.5 million property, greater or in that range is that these properties don't sell as quick so you have some carrying time to wait on these properties and also if you're looking at a five to ten percent change whether that's in the price that you end up getting for that home five to ten percent is a significant amount of money on the table so you really have to plan this out well one of the key key factors that we found works best is we buy the homes ideally with permits, ready to go. So that changes the length of time of the project. So for example, if we can get a home under a million dollars with permits and drawings ready to go, in the period before closing, we're already planning a lot of the ordering of lumber and windows and roof trusses, because these things take a lot of time. So similar to what you do, Sarah, when you're buying home to rent out, you're lining up tenants before you've even closed on that deal. And this is what we have to do with the construction process. So, you know, we're, we're starting another project actually Monday, our deal closes, and we have stuff ready to be delivered to the site on Monday. Hopefully the closing works <laughs> on time because, you know, the construction period 
it's just essential if you're going to make money doing this. The detail of organization and planning. So we've got uh, things happening on Monday for this project. Our last new build that we did, we took possession of the last couple of days of April, I forget the exact date, and we used that primary, uh, that home as our primary residence, and we moved in at the end of September. So that was six months, demolition, new build, and move in. So if you look around, you know, that's fast, that's organization, and that's experience, right? You can drive around Oakville, for example, where I live, uh, you'll see homes under construction, 18 months, 24 months. Like, I don't know how they're going to make money at the end of that. They're losing money as far as I'm concerned. But maybe it's their own future home and, and they're not doing it as an investment side of it. You know, Karen, that is so interesting because when I think of new builds, I think of one of those developers that have a bunch of condos for sale or townhouses and then you're putting different deposit amounts down but you're doing new build in a whole different way. And it is actually really awesome to hear how you've been doing it. I do have a lot of questions. I think the first thing I would be curious about is obviously you're buying these expensive properties. How do you get financing on them? And then what is the exit strategy? Are you always selling them at the end? So over the years, obviously, through investing and making money in real estate and in our construction business as well, that's the other thing. That is what my husband does and the project management we do for other clients as well as ourselves. So you have to have the down payment like any purchase typically. We have partnered with people before as well. So typically we use a B lender because of the construction financing. I have a great mortgage broker who has a lot of construction loan lenders that are builder friendly. So one of the ways they do that, as I said, you do have to get it to a certain stage of construction before they'll advance you funds. So it is around 500000 that you've invested. But then once they see that you've got the house to that stage, they're giving you that 250000 back. So you're recycling that two fifty in stages. Um, there's in some of the construction lenders, they do what's called a reserve fund. So you're not actually having to make monthly payments as you go along, but just take those off the uh, advances. So that helps a little bit with your cash flow along the way. And if you're getting, it depends on the lender, but it could be three to five different draws. If you're doing that project in six months, you're getting a draw quite quickly. And, and that's ideal in, in uh, planning and, and ending up profit in this kind of uh, strategy. Hey, Right Club Nation. This week's sponsor is Emil Jelnik. Emil is a mortgage broker that has personally helped me grow my real estate portfolio and rent-to-own business for years now. The really cool thing is that he started out like most of us, with no property and no money. Over his investing career, he was able to accumulate over 200 units. The beauty is that with Emil, you not only get the mortgage you need, but you get investing advice from someone there that has been there and done it and has the experience. Absolutely. Now, if you're just getting started or perhaps you already have many properties or even if you want to get into commercial investing, Emil can help you. And he's already helped many of our Right Club Nation listeners. He's very focused on helping you and our listeners meet their financial dreams. So if you wanted to reach out and call Emil, you can call him at 416-402-7448.
eight or visit his website, which is jellyneckmortgages.ca. If you want to get to know more about Emil, you can check out his episode of our podcast, episode number 21, and get to know Emil a little bit better yourself. But for now, back to the podcast. Very cool. Now, what's the, sorry, what's the exit strategy? Is it always to sell them? Uh, so yes and no. Like for this one exact example that we just did, I'm living here. When we moved in, we thought we'd be here for a while. However, it's a big house and my family, my son is independent now at almost 21 and it's too much house for us. And we actually found another opportunity that's a little north of the city, a little more rural, which we're happy to move there. It's about an acre of land. So we're looking at that next. That new build strategy, it will be a new build again. However, we did not purchase it with uh, permits and drawings, which is, I'm looking at that property though for my 10-year plan property. So I'm going to wait it out for the permits and drawings on that one. But typically, it depends on the customer. You know, a lot of these people that we will work with, they, they want to live in these homes. You know, when you live in a custom-built home, you get to design it. You get the layout that works for you best. It's brand new. A lot of people like that concept of living in a brand new home. So, and you can have a unique, we've done the real modern built and windows, floor to ceiling. That was also in Southeast built a few years ago. And so the strategy is different depending on the person. And you have to watch, you know, if you're doing this as a strategy, I don't work for CRA. I don't know if CRA is out there. I'm sure they are, maybe they're listening. If it's your principal residence, then you have to live there for some time. So this is not a strategy like uh, a flip that you're doing a few all the time. And having said that, you know, with a new build, I'd rather do one new build every couple of few years than to do several small flips. It's less work, actually. It's a bigger project. You don't have to work as hard because you don't have so many going on at the same time. And you're dealing with less trades. And to me, it's just leverage of your time and resources. Okay, so you're talking about these new builds. You're currently in Oakville. Are you mostly... Have you done most of these in the like the Oakville area, GTA area, or where where are you working? GTA for sure because of the end value, Got it. right? So actually, so Toronto, Mississauga, and Oakville, East Oak, the Southeast Oakville, and now more a little more west in Oakville. I've looked at trying to do some new builds actually. For example, in London, just to give you an example, so there's. You know, you know, you can buy land, huge land in London, 300,000. I looked at a property Friday, actually. Nice land across from Springbank Park, beautiful area in London. The existing home is around 300,000. But to build the house size, you're going to be in it for at least another 800,000. And the end value in London, you know, it might be 1.3. It's too tight. So you have to see the end value to know if that project is going to be worth it. If I wanted to live there and do the project for myself and it wasn't a real estate investment opportunity to make money, that's a different story. But typically you have to be in Toronto where there's 3 million end value, Southeast Oakville, you know, 2.5 and up is kind of the model that works for me. You know, there are builders that go up to the $6 million and $8 million model, but 
Now you're sitting on that much more money tied up, less market to buy those homes at the end. So it's not my strategy. I like to stick around the 2.5. So when you found the, the properties that you have worked on, like what's a key tip or, or when you are like analyzing, uh, say a particular property saying, hey, that will work. I know you mentioned the pricing in the, in the areas. Are there anything specific about the home or how do you find these properties to say, I'm buying this house, bulldozing it over, maybe leaving one wall and rebuilding it up? What, what would make you say yes to one and no to another? So definitely the comparables in the area that we're going to be able to ask 2.5 uh, for the end product. The drawings are important because if, if someone's purchased drawings, they're usually experienced and you have to know what these end users want. So is that property going to sell? So typically today, you need to have four bedrooms upstairs and every bedroom needs to have their own bathroom. You know, there's no Jack and Jill's and you can't just do a bedroom without a bathroom. Otherwise, that property's not going to sell. Walkout basements, definitely full-sized lots, lots of parking if possible, a good street, pretty much the area. And again, if you're in a 2.5 comp comparable area, then you're going to have most of those things. So I've looked at some deals recently. There's permits ready to go, but the lots are about 60 by 125. That lot size isn't quite big enough for my model. You know, if I'm going to change the numbers, build a smaller home and look at maybe an end value of 2.3, 2.2, then there could be a strategy there. But uh, so you have to really plan it all out. You know, like all of our mentors, coaches, a lot of speakers talk about this. You need to look at the end goal and then work backwards, right? For everything that we're doing in our real estate strategy and all of our goals. So when we know what we want at the end and then just work every step backwards, makes the goals much more attainable and you can see if it's going to happen. So kind of the same thing. If I don't see 2.5 at the end and it's going to have all the features of that $2.5 million home, don't go there. Okay, that's interesting. Now, are you finding these off or on MLS? Both. So um, one of the projects that we've done was actually one of our clients, so a private builder who was building a number of properties, and he decided, I guess, that he just didn't want to do as many properties that he had on the go at one time. I think he had about six uh, that he was working on, so he decided to sell some of them off. So that was one opportunity that I had. So that was an off MLS market. I recently purchased one in Toronto. It's it's on it was on MLS. You can search with permits, basically permits and drawings ready to go. There's a lot of listings out there, and just again work the numbers backwards and know the comparable homes to see if the end value is there. So I'm just curious, like when you say permits ready to go, the seller has already gone to the city, got the permits, knowing that they wanted to sell to somebody just like you that is going to take that property and make it into a $2.5 million home. Is that the type of buyer exactly that you're looking for then? So that's exactly what happens. Someone buys the property, works with an architect for several months, and depending where the land is, you may have to work with conservation authority as well. Once they get those drawings approved and they go to the town or city and wait for the permits to be issued, depending on the time of season for how busy they are, as well as every individual city has different 
rules, regulations, timeframes, et cetera. So you might wait three to six months to get your permit. So that's why I like to buy them with, because then I'm not waiting and carrying that property for three to six months in permits or and maybe another couple months working with an architect. So eight months carrying costs that you're saving if you buy it with permits ready to go. And then they just transfer form at the city to transfer the permit. Is it, is there ever a possibility where you can just ask for a long close, like three months or six months, and then ask the sellers if you could go and start the permit process or that piece of it? Yes. Yes. And I've approached offers like that before it, knowing that if I was going to buy that piece of land with property or building, but I was going to be looking at a tear down to start. And as long as you put it in your uh, purchase and sale agreement or condition and they agree to allow you to apply. You're not doing anything to the property. You're just working with the city and architect to be able to ask for all these permissions and, and work on the permit. So yes. Yeah, that is such an interesting process that especially with your husband having that background and now you guys have built up that experience and done several of these, the process becomes smoother, right? As you said, now I prefer to buy with the permits instead of having that long holding period without those permits where you're not cash flowing, you're kind of you're at a standstill, right? Until you're able to move that. So what are some of the tips that you've, for a new build that you've picked up along the way that maybe that first deal to that second, to that third and fourth that you're like, oh, wow, we're, you guys created new processes along the way. Yes, definitely. And you know, every home, I feel like we still learn something new all the time. So for example, in the early years of starting the Floor transition was a big issue. Just making sure, you know, if you're going to change from hardwood to tile, did you put your subfloor in at the right levels? Because the end product is not going to look the same if you didn't consider that at that stage of the game. Things like choosing your countertops, you know, quartz, there's how many shades of white, right? Then you choose white cabinets. If that white was slightly off, that's a big difference. And yet you're ordering cabinets. So early in the game and if you don't have your cabinet color to match your countertop color you'll see it in the end product things like the layout of electrical outlets and really going into each room and placing the furniture in your mind to know and direct the electrician where you want tvs the electrical outlets placed for and cable outlets and all the wiring Things like lighting on the stairs, you want to have that in. These are things you need to be thinking about well in advance, these tradespeople coming in. One of the latest things that we've been doing is the curveless showers. So we don't want the step up when you go into the shower. We want the floor to be seamless and then that slope has to be there. Again, if the framer's not on that at the beginning stage, when your tile guy shows up, if there's no slope, he's looking at you like, where's the water going to go if you didn't put the slope in? So you get better every time with these details. There's a lot of detail, a lot of planning, a lot of organization. I have to say kudos to my husband because uh, he's really good with the details as well as the organizing of the trades. Oh, and speaking of trades, that's another one. He runs trades for a living, so that's his thing. But again, we've learned along the way how to manage them as far as expectations and holdbacks and just dealing with the work in certain stages and even getting the trades in. When you're doing a full build, new build and a demolition and you're getting that done in six months 
it's a lot of organization of traits, having them there, certain ones at the same time, and the inside being worked on while the outside being worked on. And if you don't plan that out again, you know, that six months is usually going to turn into 12 to 18 months and that's your profit. So it is absolutely that you could lose a lot of money because they're definitely much higher price tag deals. So I'm just curious, like, where do you get your latest ideas from? You mentioned, you know, a few fancy upgrades. Are you going into other fancy $2.5 million homes to see what they've got? Are you getting your inspiration from any books, magazines? Like, where is that coming from? Or maybe your imagination? <laughs> Everything, actually. Yeah, so I also am a realtor. So I have access to MLS and I look at a lot of properties. A lot of just on Facebook, Google, searching, you know, high-end homes and seeing the features. And it's creativity because it's funny, when I started looking at so many homes on MLS, I'm starting to feel these custom homes are becoming like subdivision. They all look the same. That's <laughs> not good. So you need to be unique. You need to add some things to give it some flair. So we do glass doors on like my office and home gym. And so we put glass doors there. We've done the barn wood on the back wall of our wine cellar. So just being creative with some of the building materials, putting them in places that are maybe not as common and lighting, you know, you can do so much. We did LED lights in the dining room around the covered ceiling details and under the cabinet lighting and LED lighting. Now you can have every color under the sun. You can create disco parties if you want in your kitchen, you know? So those kind of details, it, it's being creative and, you know, looking at all these other homes, uh, out there and high-end homes looking on, like I said, on Google, all over the nation basically to find other homes and see things and then try to work them in to make them a little bit unique. Yeah, there's so many options out there. Before there wasn't, right? There would be like two or three different types of taps, two or three different, everybody would have, what do they call those, like the boob lights, right? That they'd everybody have now. Every There's so many choices and, and can make it so unique for each individual right so yeah you gotta be really you must have really good taste so to be doing that and so there's one question i do want to ask and then we're going to jump in to the lightning round but this this is a pretty in-depth strategy where there's a lot of moving pieces it's almost like conducting an orchestra really all the different moving pieces like you said from demolition to construction you have maybe multiple trades on site at a time was there how did you gain that experience at first or what made you jump in? Was there anybody that influenced you or any books or, you know, mentors, coaches that had helped you kind of take that step or what, what made you feel confident to get into that first one? I think it was my husband's background and experience because when he's doing this, if you're doing it for someone else, then why don't you do it for yourself? Right? So we're both entrepreneurial. We're both unfortunately workaholics. And uh, if you're doing it, for other people, you can certainly do it for yourself. So we just went for it, I guess. And then we keep improving, as I said. But the more you do, like anything, you build your confidence in them. And you just repeat, basically. If something's working and you only improve it every time. Yeah, so as far as mindset goes, we're open-minded people to begin with. And then, you know, I've read the classic books, Napoleon Hill and you know, attend real estate investing, networking groups and clubs like the right club. When you're around 
people that are doing things all the time, you're inspired to continue your own journey and, and to keep moving forward. So, and part of it, I think, is the competitive side of yourself. They can do it, I can do it too, you know? So why not? And if you don't know something, you find the solution, you figure it out, you ask, you learn and move forward. That's amazing. Absolutely. That's amazing. Kudos. Kudos to both you and, and a shout out to your husband. Thank you. Awesome. So the next part of this podcast is our lightning round. So Karen, you're going to have a series of four questions. Every guest gets the same one and then try to answer them within 30 seconds. Are you ready? Sure. It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Daniel St. John. Do you think using other people's money is a strategy for other people? Not you? At Safe and Sound Real Estate Investment Group, Daniel's been teaching people just like you how to use other people's money for almost 10 years. To find out more, go to www.sasrig.com. That's www.sasreig.com. And download your free copy of the special report, Arms Length RSP Mortgages, Canada's Best Cap Investment Secret. You'll be amazed at how you can leverage other people's money to help you finance as many real estate deals as you want. All right, so question number one, Karen, what is the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? I would say that it's the set the goal and work backwards uh, because in the past, I felt that sometimes the goals are so big, which is great, but they can also be overwhelming. So when the goal is so far from your comfort zone, uh, you don't even know where to begin. So I think that's key, is set the goal, put the steps in place, and, and now it feels easy, and, and you just keep moving forward. Nice, I love that. All right, question number two. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? I would have to say the club and the groups that I go to. There's so much information out there with books and the podcasts, but you know we only have so many hours in the day, and it's hard to take it all in. So sometimes I find you know leveraging my time by learning through other people and getting the cold notes, if you will, from someone else. I strategy or a lead or a referral that saves me a lot of time i've worked with a few people from attending the right club everyone does something well and everyone's so open at sharing that that's just amazing and i, I would say yeah it, the people that's amazing thanks for sharing that karen question number three what is the one attribute that has made you most successful determined competitive um, open-minded. I love to learn new strategies. I have a coach and uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I don't think that that's actually a good thing. <laughs> she says it might be a bad thing that I have to uh, let that go sometimes and just move forward and not worry about the perfection of something. So I'm really working on that to accept things done and not to perfection and just keep moving. That's awesome, right? It, it's getting it done not perfect is, is maybe better than not getting it done at all, right? So that, that's a great attribute to have for sure. So, And we want to thank you for spending your time with us on a Sunday morning. So the last question of the lightning round is what does your typical Sunday morning look like? Well, as an entrepreneur, and I still work part-time in the dental business, being a real estate investor, I'm usually doing paperwork <laughs> in the 
the summer. I try to cut it around one o'clock to enjoy the rest of the afternoon. But there's a lot of paperwork to be done in all of these businesses that I'm involved in. So from the construction company, I oversee the staff there. Real estate investing, there's paperwork looking for deals or you know, could be shopping for products for the new builds or, or design. Uh, I do a lot of paperwork, and uh, or it could be learning, or it could be working on my businesses. Uh, another strategy that I'm actually recently kind of looking at is the digital marketing and digital systems, because I feel like I've been lacking in the techno technology part of how I could take the business. So I need to spend more time there. So I'm focusing a little in that area. So even if I'm caught up on paperwork, I put the energy towards learning new things and trying to improve the systems that we have in place. And just always that perfectionist trying to get better at what we're already doing. There you go. Awesome. So Karen, if our Right Club Nation, our listeners wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go? So info at Preferential Property Investments is my investment company. If you want more information on new builds or want to work together as a partner, Madera Building Projects is our construction company. If anyone's looking to have a new build done for them and don't understand or want to learn about building a new home, and Flash Construction, I didn't mention earlier, we also have a crane company that ties in with the construction. Uh, so anything heavy that you need lifted, uh, air conditioners, roof dresses, that's what we do as well. It ties in with lifting all the parts for the new builds. So yeah, just another service that we have and offer. Very cool. And Karen, as I'm taking notes of all the different things you're doing, you are a busy, busy woman. (laughs) Any last words of advice or anything that you'd like the Right Club Nation to know? Just that I love the club. I've been, I think I started going to the club about the second or third meeting that you had. It was fantastic. I've met so many wonderful people there, done business with people. It's great. I don't know if you guys know the feeling and the openness and I think it's because the club has so many seasoned investors there that people are more open at this particular club in comparison to some of the other clubs that I've attended so you know keep networking keep learning keep growing with all the people that are there and offering all the experience and you know this podcast event an idea was just amazing because as this club has grown so big it's impossible to meet everyone there now and to get to know them and so this opportunity that you've provided us to understand each other know what strategies are available and you know now when i walk into the club and i've listened to someone's podcast i feel like i can just go up to them and you know i know them so well they've not met me before but it's an amazing opportunity and the whole technology part of it is new for me and, and I appreciate that, you know, I think I shared this with Sarah one evening that, you know, if it hadn't been for Danielle actually to say, get your phone out and download the podcast and let's start using it, I probably wouldn't have. So, and now that I'm listening, it's just great. Awesome. Wow. That is like the best testimonial. Thank you so much. That means so much to us. We really, really, really appreciate it. And thank you for all your support. And this is why we do this, right? For people out there, the Right Club Nation, our members, people that are listening, you know, even people that are not 
able to come to Burlington because they live so far and we, we just want to give back. And we believe real estate investing is one of the best, if not the best strategy to get out of the rat race and create a life that you really want to truly live. And so if we can help and share with others what we know, that's what we uh, what we want to do. And thank you, Karen, also for, for sharing your wisdom, your insights, your knowledge, and amazing strategy. I don't think we've talked about this yet on the podcast. So thank you very much as well for your support and also being there for newer investors as well and networking and I guess in the past couple of years, everything that you've done for us. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very much, Karen. Okay. Thanks guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Wow. What an amazing interview. What an amazing woman. What a cool strategy. Like I had no idea when we were talking new construction, I thought it was new builds and what she's doing is building these amazing, amazing homes, high end finishings, high end clientele. What a, what a cool uh, interview. Absolutely. You know, I just really love her drive and her passion and she's a true go-getter and she's been able to really build a successful real estate investing business and she does a lot of other things as well and she's uh, definitely keeps very, very busy <laughs> with all the paperwork on Sundays, but it is really cool to see. And you know what? what is awesome is that the people that are out there at our club, like Karen, that are super successful, they're so humble and so willing to give back. And that is just amazing. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I honestly have busy, like written in capital letters and circled as one of the notes that I took in, in our meeting is that she is doing so many things. And the other part as well too that I really picked up on was that she's now been able to put like a process in place, right? And I really love that, that it's repeatable and it's sustainable. And now she's created that really out of nothing that she said, her husband was doing it for somebody else, so why not do it for yourselves? And that, that right there is the entrepreneurial spirit of, hey, I think I can do it a little bit better. I'm going to try, and I'm going to work with some of the best people that I can find to do it this way. And, uh, and that's the cool part is that from the first one that she's done, the second to the third, and continued on and on, the process gets better. It gets tighter. You're learning more things along the way, meeting different people. And that's the cool part is with the right club, you can advance that. You can talk to different people that you don't have to go and get those bruises and scrapes and scars yourself. You can see the scars and scrapes on other investors. And believe me, those are the best stories people love to share. In those right club rooms, there's not too many people that are going, oh yeah, I'm perfect and I did it amazing and should do it this way. They're so willing to share the mistakes or the lessons that they've learned along the way. Because there are no mistakes, they're just lessons, right? Yeah, that's it. And she mentioned too that she had a mentor. And if you can have somebody on your side to guide you through the process, show you the way with making, you know, you'll still make mistakes, but maybe a little bit less mistakes because they can help you maneuver through the ones that they've completed themselves and learn from. I mean, it is a no brainer. And the other thing too, I will say is as we're doing all these podcasts, there's so many different strategies, guys, just be careful not to have this shiny penny syndrome and just not start anywhere because you're like, Ooh, this is nice. Oh, this one's even nicer. Or Hey, what about this? I mean, at, at some point you still want to get started and do a deal and just keep in mind, like, so many people that we've had on the podcast, but also at the right club, like they're successful in their own strategy. I don't think that many of us 
do every single strategy the same way. Like even if I do burrs as an example, like somebody else might do burrs completely different. You do rent to own, somebody else might be, you know, you and Daniel, I think do different types of rent to own, different ways, different strategies, yep. and you're both very successful at doing it. And so I would just say, watch that shiny penny syndrome, pick something and then stick to that first, become the expert at it before you move on to something else. Absolutely. And, and even though we are a collective group, a community of people that are investing in real estate, you know, we all have our individual wants, needs, requirements in our life of somebody likes the mountains, somebody likes the beach, somebody wants to travel in Europe, somebody wants to travel in the US. Everybody has their own reasons or their own needs of what they want to get done. And that's the cool part is we can all get there. We can all achieve our own goals and it doesn't stop the other person beside us to get to their goals. We can both get there together and inspire each other to do that and doing it for those reasons, right? And some people are busier than others. Like Sarah, you're amazing. You're still you know, full-time job, investing in real estate, two podcasts, maybe another one in the works. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but that's the cool thing is that we all, we're all aspiring to, to live the life that we want and, and that's the cool part is that we can do that. We can all do that together. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, you know what? This has been a great Sunday morning going into the afternoon right now, but it's been great spending time with you and also with Karen and just, it's just like an amazing life. Like we've created an amazing life. Like for me doing this is awesome. Like there's lots of other things that I do, but this is like one of the things that I look forward to doing each and every single week. So thank you for being a great co-host guys by club nation. Thank you for tuning in and listening and come out to our club, come out and grow with us, join our community. It is just wonderful. Like there's wonderful people like Karen and so many others that are just willing to help successful investors are usually not everyone, but usually willing to help others. So, you know, come grow with us. That's right. Up until, until next week, guys, enjoy, have a great week and we'll see you at the next Right Club event. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.